Hey y'all, it's Callie, and you're listening to a paranormal... Oh, my bad. Just kidding. Hey y'all, it's Callie, and this is an episode of Sinister Sightings. Donna and I'm Carrie and we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 121. And you just heard Callie and she's so cute. I know we got to meet her. We did. We got to meet her in Kansas City and her mama who's also so cute. She had the best hair. The best and a kimono that I want. But Callie has been listening to the bloops way too much because she did a Donna. Because if you've listened to the bloopers uh, I forgot how to intro us um she'll always go this is this is donna and i'm like no you're not on the fucking phone or like i say a paranormal chick sir like i couldn't get the cadence down and carrie's like no (laughs) but look i might always fuck up the intro but carrie will fuck up the everything else (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't gonna say that but the outro shoot oh i'll fuck up the outro and i can't read for to save my damn life well me either well, hey, if you want to introduce an episode or you want to hear the bloopers like we're talking about, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, the first one. Hey, ladies, love the podcast. This isn't a sinister sightings, but a very weird true crime story from my hometown in BFE or bumfucked Egypt, Illinois. Our area is made up of a few small towns dubbed the Illinois Valley. Our only claim to fame is a small chicken joint called Rip's Chicken. Best fucking fried chicken in a state park called Starved Rock. Well, feed it some chicken. Oh, gosh. In 1960, three women were brutally murdered in the state park. It was pinned on a young dishwasher named Chester from the hotel in the park. Long story short, he confessed and was sentenced to life in prison. In November 2019, he was granted parole and was released in February of this year at the age 80. My area was shook and completely divided. Some people think he did it, some don't, but everyone was nervous. A potential murderer was from our small little spot on this earth was being released. He still claims he never did it and was framed. The reason I'm submitting this now is because this morning our local newspaper released an article about how a crime lab is looking into DNA evidence 60 years later. As far as I know, I don't think a podcast has ever talked about this story, and I would absolutely love to hear you ladies dive into it. There's tons of twists and turns and conspiracies about the trail. Most people think the husbands framed him because they were pretty prominent businessmen from Chicago. Also, he wrote a 48-page autobiography while in prison. I don't think we'll ever know the truth of what happened in 1960, but I hope with the new DNA testing, the families can get some answers and these women can finally rest peacefully. Absolutely love you, ladies. You make my week. Jesse and my little creepster, Olivia. Every time I hear the name Jesse, I think about when I was in grad school, the admin assistant used to think that my name was Jesse and not Carrie, obviously. And so me and my two BFFs, they would be like, Jesse? Like from that commercial? Yes. Why did I say commercial so weird? From that commercial, they would just always be like, Jesse? <laughs> Jesse? <laughs> that is a heartbreaking story and sounds like a case that would be on Paula's on. 
Yeah. I freaking love that show. I watch it all the time. Going to sleep now. It's my new sleep show. Yeah, that sounds like a case you need to cover. You, Carrie Easterling. Me? Carrie with a K. That is a heartbreaking story, though. It's so hard whenever you have that back and forth that you don't really know the answer. So I really do hope that they get some answers with the DNA. Keep us posted. If you hear anything, we wants to know. Also, if y'all have any recommendations for us in the Facebook group, there's an announcement that has like recommendation box and you can recommend it there or email us and you can just say like true crime recommendation or paranormal recommendation, that kind of thing. Hey ladies, first time submission, long time listener from, it says, whispers sadly, Idaho. Why sad? Because I think she, you know, like Texas yeah. or something, you know, like Idaho. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, no comment. I love your show and have listened since the start. Dang, an OG. <laughs> yeah. How are you not tired of us yet? We're Wait. tired of us. <laughs> Well, mostly I'm just tired of Donna. <laughs> She's got jokes tonight, y'all. They're not good, but I have them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of tired of me right now, too. <laughs> I mean, I want to apologize first off because this first story I'm sending is long. I've always had paranormal things happening in my life since I was like little, before preschool. The story I'm sharing today happened to me when I was in my 20s, back when I was married to an asshat of a human. Quick info on this house. It was a nice, large, older brick home in the town of Caldwell that a prominent local doctor owned. Since passed away and left to his only child in a trust, the child lived in California and didn't want to live in the house, so he rented out the home through his bank slash trust people. Gosh, what is that like? Right? <laughs> I don't even know. How to spell trust? Know. Yeah. Because I don't trust anyone and never have had to trust. And couldn't even fathom have enough money to have a trust? Me neither. Right? Can $5 open a trust? The very first night in the house was when I saw and heard things. I was sitting on the couch in the front sitting area slash living room feeding my six-month-old child. TV on, probably watching Ghost Hunters or something like that at night. When out of the corner of my eye, I saw a black figure standing in the doorway leading to the hallway that would go towards the bedrooms. This house was large. I would imagine so, with trust money. <laughs> I looked straight in that direction and the shadow was gone. I thought nothing of it. New house, eyes must be playing tricks on me, you know. Then I started to hear walking. So I got up baby in arms, and walked through the archway into the back sitting room. Peeked my head around and saw nothing. Went to the back of the house and checked in on Asshat husband at the time and my second child, who was three, both asleep in their rooms. A few days later, at home with just myself and my kiddos, I hear men talking loudly from the back bedroom area. I walked back to the room, still hearing the men's voices speaking. Looking in my kids' room first and out those windows, nothing. Still hearing low men's voice talking, I walk to my room and the talking stops. I still look out the windows. My house was not close to the other home and I had a huge backyard which was totally fenced in. I went a step further and walked the entire perimeter of the house outside to see if I could find 
anyone close to my home talking loud enough to hear. There was not a soul in sight outside. This too, I just brushed off. Continuing throughout the week, my home was plagued with dark shadows, sounds of doors opening, and still more voices. Then things got worse. My three-year-old would wake me up at night from him talking in his room. This happened more times than I can count. I would ask him who he was talking to, and his response was the man in his room. Uh -uh. He told me he was nice like his papa. I thought this had to be something related to him dreaming or an imaginary friend. A few more nights of this happening, and then I woke up to him screaming and crying. We both jumped out of bed and ran into the kid's room. Tears streaming down his face and crying said the scribble man was scaring him, looking at him at the end of his bed. It took a bit to calm him down, and I ended up sleeping in there with him. Not more than a week after this, I was laying in my bed watching TV at night and everyone else was asleep. I hear a creak coming from the hallway. Again, me not wanting to freak myself out, don't think too much into it. It's an old house. It'll make noise. Until I see a shadow in the shadows at the entry of my door. It stood or hovered up to just above where the doorknob would be. And it didn't move. I grabbed my phone and took a picture. I wanted proof later and sent it to my best friend, Kara. She messaged back saying she sees a person with a weird face standing there. I look at the photo, change the lighting, and yep, there is a smallish thing with a broken looking face not fully there. I begin to freak out now, wake up the asshat and say, there's something in the hallway. Please go check. He gets up, yells something at me about there's nothing there, flips on the hallway light and says, didn't you shut the door to the hallway? Yes, right before I came in here. And then he tells me it's open. He goes out and searches the house after checking in the kids' room. They're asleep, safely in bed. He finds nothing and says, maybe I didn't shut it all the way. So after that night, I started locking it. It would be found open more times after that over the months of living there. It went on almost daily of things happening. The shadows, the noises, voices, and now both my kids scared of this said scribble man that they see in the house. One time they were out playing in the game room when I hear screaming. My three-year-old said he saw the man in the corner. I look at the corner that he points to and there's a door open to the top cabinets in there. Cabinets too high for a child to reach. I walk over to check it, check inside and find nothing but our stuff we stored in there months ago after moving in. Gather both kids up and have them play in the living room for the rest of the day. I never saw the full body of whatever was there, but two people did besides my children. My husband at the time, Asshat, was homesick while I was out at my brother's birthday party with family. I get a call. Why are you being a bitch hiding in the hallway? Wow. Right? Um, the fuck? I'm not home. I'm at my brother's party still. Hold the phone up and out for him to hear. Get back on and am greeted with silence. I think someone's in the house. The door opened from the front and then the hallway. And I saw someone your height in the hallway standing there. I told him that he should get up and check and he said no because it or someone was still in the hallway. He finally gets up and walks out to see what or who was in the hallway and the thing just vanishes. Straight up poofs its ass out of there. 
He walks further in the house and noticed the door to the game room was wide open, so he goes and checks. Can't find anyone, but stuff is moved. The chair is not by the wall near the pool table, and the kids' toys were on the ground. They were picked up and cleared prior to me leaving. So he ends up calling local PD to look around the property. We found, and they found, no one around and nothing missing. Just things out of place. A little after Christmas, things ramp up again. Now we all hear voices talking, man's voice yelling, door slam, and my kids being visited by the scribble man more often. It's beginning to get to us all, freaking us out more. Our lease is up in two months from this date. During broad daylight, we would see a tall shadow move from the hallway by the rooms to the back room, repeatedly for hours at a time. We would all have random things missing, knocked down or moved. Finally, we broke. We end up having to move out two weeks prior to our lease being up. The day we moved out, we had my father and a family friend there with his five-year-old helping us move, and it was down to the last boxes, and I headed down the road in my truck to the new house when my dad called me from the house. I don't know what is going on, but Gerald's kid is freaking out. He said a man in brown with no face yelled at him inside the house to get out. My dad and Gerald both searched the house, and no one was in there. The door is locked up front and in the back, just them and the child. We moved out of a house that got to be too much for us. Now I understand why the other renters must have moved out sooner. Side note, I don't have the pick anymore, sadly. It was on one of those old keyboard flip phones, which has since died. Oh, and also, I did ask the people in charge of the trust who rented to us if they knew why the other renters had moved or if anything bad had happened in that home, and they refused to answer me on anything. I did tell them about the weird stuff, though. Wow, that is a frick ton. A frick ton. I don't know what that is, but it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I want no part of that house. No. Shadows, enough. Voices, enough. Like, all of that together. And a scribble man? No, 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 no. Just that by itself. Just the husband yelling at you. Oh, well, that. Why are you being an asshole? Whatever. Why are you being a bitch hiding? Yeah, that. We see why it's an ex. Yeah, we see why you said an ass had. But, like, scribble man? Can we get back to that? That should be a fucking scary movie. Because that scribble man? Yeah, that was creepy. (laughs) That was really creepy. Oh, God. I like, oh, gosh. Well, since you've had so much happen to you, uh, I want more stories because that was really good. Okay, the next one. Hi, Donna and Carrie. My name is Aubrey, and I have been listening to your show for a few months now, and I love it. Y'all do a wonderful job and are so funny and are so great at making people feel comfortable about what might sometimes be uncomfortable situations. Anyway, I actually have two stories I wanted to send in as possible sinister sightings or possibly something maybe Carrie could cover on the show. I've been wanting to write in for a while. However, one of the stories I want to share, I have been unsure of how to write it because I want to get the details right as much as possible and not screw it up since it involves an ongoing missing persons case. The first one is of J.L. Hamblin. She went missing from Anchorage, Alaska. She's been missing since October 11th, 2014. She was 20 at the time. She was last seen around 10 p.m. the previous night by her roommate. The next morning around 10.30 a.m. when her roommate knocked on her bedroom door, there was no answer. 
Jail had a seven-month-old son who her roommate's mom was babysitting at the time for the weekend. However, Jail left and disappeared without a trace. Five months later, her purse and cell phone were located in the woods. The best theory people have at this point is Jail was picked up by someone from her apartment sometime on the night of October 10th or early morning on October 11th, and something bad happened to Jail. I went to middle school with Jail and a few years of high school. She was super bubbly and tried to always be a nice person. She was often picked on and bullied in middle school because of her weight and the fact that she wasn't afraid to be a little different. There's a ton more to this story and background to Jail's life and situation. However, I didn't want this to be 10 pages long, but she deserves people being aware of the situation and people hearing her name and to have as many people as possible know and hear her story. So if there's someone that knows something, they can come forward. The second also deserves its own episode, in my opinion. It's the tragic death of David Grunwald, who was just 16 years old when he was killed by four boys around the same age. This also took place in Alaska in my hometown of Wasila. I hope I said that right. A place where everyone knows each other and violent crimes are not common at all. David went to school with my younger brothers. He was very well liked and had goals, was a good student, and his parents' only child. David had dropped his girlfriend off at her house and went over to a friend's. For pretty much no reason, the four boys in this backyard trailer at the friend's house were smoking weed and one of the boys decided to beat and pistol whip David. The boys then drove David to a secluded area, beat him, and shot him point blank. They took his car and set it on fire. His parents knew something was wrong immediately when David didn't come home at the time he was supposed to that evening. Police were notified in the early morning hours the following day, his burn bronco was located and nearly three weeks after searching for him, they found David's body. This story is so sad because to this day, there really has never been a solid motive said as to why David, who was so young, happy, well-liked, responsible young man who had his whole life ahead of him was killed. It really haunts me because he was the same age as my younger brother's. I really hope you guys will look into both of these stories. There's a lot more detail and many solid facts that I didn't get into. Keep keeping on. Thanks so much, Aubrey. That's so hard when you don't have a reason or it's just like this bizarre. It's like, oh, we were bored, had nothing better to do. Yeah. Oh, Uh, though. Those sound like two good stories also for Carrie. What is this? Recommendation for Carrie Corner? I'm just going to have a running list. So (laughs) It's also hard when you can relate so much to the victim. Like, again, it was was somebody you knew, and then it was somebody the same age as your brothers. Yes. That's a lot of tragedy for such a small area, I feel like. Yeah, it really is. This one is called Instant Connection. Hello, I love your podcast and try to listen whenever I can get the nerve to. (laughs) This is a long one, so get comfy. I was just listening to episode 83 where someone wrote in about a story about seeing a man at McDonald's that they just felt incredibly drawn to, even though they didn't know them. Well, I have a similar experience. Oh, yeah, when they were like there with their husbands? Yeah. When I was little, I would often spend the summer holidays visiting my grandmother's house. She lived in a small coastal town about an hour from me. One day, we were headed home after spending all day at the beach. 
That is Carrie's dream. you damn right. I was sitting in the backseat of the car as we drove down the quiet suburban streets that led from the beach to my grandmother's. As we came down the street, I noticed some kids about my age walking toward the beach. I can't remember all the details, but one of them was tallish with dark hair. As we drove by, I made eye contact with the dark-haired boy and instantly felt a connection. It was as if I knew we would meet again and be together. I actually remember thinking, I'm going to be his girlfriend. I had never seen him in my life, but I thought about him often for the rest of our summer and hoped to see him again. Fast forward a few years and I was in my first year of high school, year seven here in Australia, and I heard that a new boy was starting. I was walking across the courtyard when I spotted one of my friends sitting with a taller, dark-haired boy I had not seen around school before. From across the courtyard, I made eye contact with him and felt a familiar sense of instant connection and a deep knowing that I'm going to marry him one day. Throughout all of high school, we were close friends, and then when we were 17, we officially became boyfriend and girlfriend. We have been together ever since. We're 25 now. It wasn't until years after we started dating that he told me that his family used to have a holiday house in the same coastal town where I visited my grandmother during the summer. I'm pretty convinced that that boy near the beach and my now boyfriend are the same boy. Anyway, sorry that it wasn't a spooky story, but I guess it sort of is. Maybe we're just destined to be together. Thanks for reading, Julia. Now, the beach is Carrie's dream, but that is my dream to have like an instant connection and just feel that with someone and then it become a reality. Oh my gosh. That's amazing though. I've never felt that. I mean, obviously. 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 Let us know if y'all get married though. When you know, you know. Yeah. Okay, the next one is called My Shadow Person. Hey ladies, my name is Holly and I'm from a small town in Pennsylvania. As much as I'd love to hear which golden girl I would be, I'm fine with you sharing my real name. (laughs) That's cute. I love that. First, I'd like to just say that finding your podcast was like being welcomed home. Listening to you gals makes me feel like I'm hanging out with my best friends. I live and breathe true crime. And I used to be just as into the paranormal as well, but my personal experiences have left me a bit shut down. I haven't talked about the things I've been through in a very long time because I'm terrified of reopening that door. Hearing your stories along with all of the other sinister sightings is making me feel a little braver. I'm ready to finally open up about it again. So here goes. Warning, this story is long. I also tend to be long-winded, but I will do my best to cut out the fluff. So here it is. I have or had, since it's been a hot minute, a shadow person. Typing that sentence has my stomach in knots and my body is now covered in goosebumps. I was around 20 years old when I had my first encounter with my shadow person. So we're going back about 13 years. My then boyfriend and I were house sitting for my grandmother while she was away. It was early in the evening when I decided to leave the master bedroom and head down the hall to the guest room for more sleep because my boyfriend's loud snores were driving me crazy. I'd like to point out that the sun was already up and the entire house was lit up brightly, which also made what I saw seem even more confusing. Anyway, I climbed into the guest bed and began to slowly drift back to sleep. 
I was somewhere between half awake, half asleep state when all of a sudden, even though my eyes were closed, I saw the outline of a dark shadowy face get right up close to my face, nose to nose, and scream, Holly! I jumped a mile. When I looked around the brightly lit room, there was nobody there. The face I had seen was dark and slightly translucent, just like a shadow. It had no facial features, but I knew it was a face. I chalked it up to one of those weird, vivid dreams that can occur in that half-sleep state and went back to sleep. A few minutes later, the alarm radio that was in the room turned on and started blaring at top volume. I jumped out of bed and tried to turn the power off. It would not turn off. I yanked the cord from the outlet. Still, the radio blared. I flipped it over and ripped out the batteries. The music continued to scream. I sat there staring at it, feeling tired and confused. Not sure how to turn the damn thing off. All of a sudden, it went quiet. I caught movement out of the corner of my eye and turned my attention toward the open bedroom door. I saw someone walk by heading towards the living room. Since my boyfriend and I were the only people in the house, I assumed it was him. I stood up and followed him to the living room, only to discover that I was completely alone. I ran my ass back to the master bedroom as fast as my short legs would carry me, dove back in bed next to my boyfriend, who was still snoring loudly, BTW, and hid under the covers. I tried hard to convince myself that I was just seeing things because I was so tired, and that radio must be broken. Fast forward a few years later, when I was living with my new boyfriend, who is now my husband. One night, I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep. My boyfriend was sound asleep next to me. Of course, damn men and Carrie and their peaceful sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I suddenly started to feel a chill run down my spine. My stomach instantly knotted up and I felt all the hairs on my entire body stand straight up. I knew somebody or something was watching me. I slowly moved my gaze towards the bathroom door, which was located directly to my right. Standing in the doorway was the shadowy figure of a man. I don't actually know if shadow people have genders, but in my head, this shadow was a man. I don't really know how to explain it, but there was no doubt that it was a male presence. My mind immediately flashed back to that incident at my grandmother's house. I knew it was the same man. He didn't move. He just stood there, staring at me from the doorway. I put quotations around the word staring because this shadow had no facial features, yet somehow I knew I was being stared at. Again, I don't really know how to explain it. I just knew. I remember lying there, staring back at the shadowy figure, too afraid to move. I must have eventually fallen asleep because the next thing I knew, it was the morning and the shadow was gone. Over the next few months, my shadow person would come watch me at night. Every time he was there, I would get the same terrified feeling. I can't even remember how often he would come to watch me. I had lost count. But every time he came, it was the same thing. I would struggle to fall asleep. I would suddenly become overwhelmed by feelings of sheer terror. And there that son of a bitch would be, staring from my bathroom doorway. The last time I had seen him there in his usual spot, he had a huge menacing grin across his face. The thought of that gigantic smile makes me want to crumble to the floor. When I'm truly, deeply scared of something, I turn into a fainting goat. Again, that shadowy face was featureless, but somehow, in my head, I could see that big, horrible smile. 
But just like all the other times, I somehow drifted off to sleep and woke up to the shadow being gone. I finally got some relief over the next few weeks. That asshole had finally decided to leave me alone. Or so I had thought. One night, I suddenly awoke to realize that I could not move. My body felt like it was frozen solid. The only part of me that wasn't stuck in place were my eyes. Were my eyes. I also realized that I was completely and truly scared out of my mind. My eyes began to scan the room. My bathroom entrance was empty, but I noticed the lights were turned on. I thought that was very strange because I distinctly remember shutting off every light in my house before going to bed. I need my room to be as dark as possible when I go to sleep. The only light I keep on is a dim nightlight in the bathroom because nobody needs to bust their head trying to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night. As my eyes continued to scan the room, I noticed that the hallway and the living room lights were also on. The TV in the living room was on too and blasting full volume. It appeared that every light in the house was on except for the one in my room. That's when I noticed him, my shadow person. He was standing on my boyfriend's side of the bed and staring down at him while he slept. When my eyes locked onto him, he turned his shadowy head my direction and slowly flashed that menacing grin at me. I nearly shit and died. I could not move. I could not scream. I could barely even breathe. I have never in my entire life felt like that before. The next thing I knew, it was morning and I was waking up to my boyfriend's alarm. All the lights and the TV were once again off and nobody was in my room besides me and my boyfriend. Fast forward again, it had been about three years since my last encounter with my shadow person. I had been very busy getting married and starting a family and nobody got time for shadow people. Anyway, a friend of mine invited me to attend a table tipping party. In case anyone's unfamiliar with that, a table tipping party, also known as a table turning, is a type of seance in which participants sit around a table, place their hands on it, and wait for rotation. The table was purportedly made to serve as a means of communication with the spirits. The alphabet would be slowly spoken aloud and the table would tilt at the appropriate letter, thus spelling out words and sentences. The process is similar to that of a Ouija board. Copied all of that from Wikipedia, FYI. I thought it would be easier than me trying to explain it myself. At this particular party, which was led by a medium, the guest intended to reach out to loved ones who had passed. It was actually very deep and emotional thing to be a part of. Many sad and happy tears were cried that day. However, I didn't expect anyone to try to communicate with me. So when the table landed in my lap, I was very surprised. I couldn't imagine who would be trying to make contact with me. Then suddenly, my stomach got those old, familiar knots. I asked the medium if other types of beings, not just human, could use the table to communicate. She told me yes, and she was sensing something dark, like a shadow. I about shit and died once again. Through the table and the medium's interpretation, my shadow person communicated a message to me. He told me to stop pushing him away. He said that he was my spirit guide and he was trying to help me. All I needed to do was open up and let him in. Hearing this made me feel sick. The medium immediately shut down our communicative tie. She warned me that shadow people are evil. She also warned that he was lying and to never let him in. I certainly heeded her warning. From that moment on, I did everything in my power to shut him and all things paranormal out of my life. 
I didn't mention this before, but I've been told that I'm sensitive. I didn't need to be told this. I already knew it, but I don't want to be. I've seen way too many things that were impossible to ignore and explain away. The problem is that I'm chicken shit to the umpteenth degree. Give me all the true crime stories, but Shadow Man, you can fuck off. Thank you so much for taking the time to read my story, or I should probably say novella. As much as I hate admitting it, I do have many more paranormal stories to share if I can find the balls to buck up and spill them. I also have some true crime stories that I definitely love to share with y'all. Creep it real and try really fucking hard not to get scared. Holly. Holy Holly shit. (laughs) (laughs) That table tipping sounds scarier than the Ouija board. Yeah, I'm not about that life. I'm picturing like one of those sit and spins that you had as a kid, only it's a table that does it, you know? <laughs> now, those are fun. Those were a blast. This table tipping, no thank you. Mm-mm. Nope, you can keep that shit just along with your fucking Ouija board. No, ma'am. Well, also, I hate a table that's uneven, that oh wobbles, my God. that does That one Mexican restaurant we go to that every fucking time we get that table does a Oh, my God. And uh, carries a fidgeter. Sit- I can't oh help it. Gosh. I can't even move. And I swear, it is hanging on by one, like, hinge of a nut and bolt. And, oh, my gosh, I'm like, it's going to tip. Shadow people are so scary. Yes. I hope that that didn't open anything up for you. Me, too. And I don't want to pressure you into sending anything. But, wow. I want to hear all of your experiences. And maybe it would be cathartic to tell them, you know. I don't know. Like, maybe that's, like, you know, when they write stuff and then you just kind of, like, let it out and then it's over with. I mean, other people, like, burn it in a thing, but, like, you pressing send on that email might be you getting rid of that baggage. I don't know. But also, when you said he was looking at your boyfriend and then y'all locked eyes and he smiled, nope, not here for that. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. It's just that, like, they're aware, you know, mm-hmm. like that that knowledge that they're aware and alert and, oh, gosh. And, like, when you said you could only move your eyes, like, that's every horror movie. That's so scary. Thing. You know, like, even I think last year that person who wrote that excellent freaking Creepinati campfire tale about – her having that wreck, and she was still, like, in a coma, but she wasn't. Yes, yes. And so she's like, no, 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 no. But, you know, like, she can just, like, move her eyes and everything. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's, oh, that story gave me chills. Also, I think you would be a Dorothy for Golden Girls. I don't think you took a breath. Sorry. You like legitimately just like transitioned into a completely <laughs> different thought. That's my life. You were like, blah, blah, blah. also, I think you'd be a Dorothy. <laughs> just throwing that out there. What do you think? I think so too. Okay, thank you. I didn't say you were wrong. I just said it was random. <laughs> okay, the next one is second sinister sight? Question mark. Hello, ladies. You can use my name. I'm pretty open about this stuff. Anyway, on to the story. I've always been able to see auras, the energy around people. It always shows up as colors, and I can feel what the colors mean for each person. I've always wanted someone to tell me that. Yeah, me too. Anyway, the first time I remember finding out that not everyone sees that is when I was a little girl, probably around five or six. 
I saw a man my mom worked with and wanted to know why he was all black. Normally, the colors show up sort of floating around the person. For this guy, it was like he was a walking, talking shadow person. I asked my mom why he was black. Y'all, this man was a tall, pasty white guy. Needless to say, my mom was confused. I don't know what he did, but he was not a nice man. The only other person I've seen like this was my abusive stepfather. One more story. So, my stepfather was an angry man. He would yell and scream about everything. One day, during one of his insane tirades, he was inches from my face, screaming about something I had done to piss him off, when all of a sudden, he disappeared into a mass of inky blackness, and then just nothing. Just gone. I couldn't see him or hear him. I probably should have been scared, but I laughed. I think that was the day I saw his personal demons consume him. I haven't spoken to him since. I have more stories and sightings, but I'll leave this here for now. You ladies make my week, Mike. That is intense about your stepfather. Yes. Is that a thing that the personal demons consume you? You know what? That reminds me of that ghost scene in Ghost. Yes. Oh, yes. Terrifying. When his, when not his demons, but the little underland demons come and get him. Mm-mm. Yes. Wow. Do you have to be in person to see their colors, or can you just tell us what ours are? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, didn't we get ours red when we went to Memphis that time? Yes, but I don't remember it. I don't either, but I think she said there was like a smudge, like a dark, a dark spot. On you, yeah. Yeah. You had some shit you needed to fix. Yeah. It was over on one side where like my head was hurting or like my arm was hurting. Something had been hurting, but it wasn't like, you know, that smudge wasn't for the physical pain, but it was funny to me like that sometimes, you know, physical and mental pain manifest together. So, I don't know. It was just like, whoa. When she said where it was, I was like, what? Okay, this one is called Sinister Sightings. One true crime and one paranormal. Please have Carrie read this one. Ooh. Hey, ladies, Will and Doggos. I absolutely love your podcast. I love how open and loving and funny you guys are. Thank you for making your podcast a safe haven for us. Also, shout out to y'all, including Will, for all the hard work and dedication you bring to the APC. I would love to remain anonymous, so please call me Wow. It'll make sense in a bit. So, a couple of things. The 1979 Amityville Horror was filmed in my town. I live along the Jersey Shore, hence Wow. I'm giving you two stories, one true crime and one paranormal. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Carrie, I'm going to start off with something technically true crime. Picture it. Summer 2010. You can feel the hard boardwalk underneath your feet with some sandy patches as you walk. Okay, okay. I'm picturing the movie Beaches. All around you, you can smell the salty ocean air, funnel cakes, fried Oreos, pizza, sausage and peppers, hamburgers, hot dogs, and french fries. The sun is beating down on you. Suddenly, you're struggle bussing with your boob sweat. But luckily... You're wearing a bathing suit, so it's no big deal. To your left is the seaside and a beach, and to your right is the casino pier boardwalk. Did they just describe my heaven? Right. A beach, a casino, food galore. 
Oh, yes, they did. So now that you're here with me, I'm walking around with a group of my friends and two of my friend's parents. As we're walking, we hear loud music and yelling. This was totally normal for the boardwalk. Suddenly, a group of people run past us. We look to the left, and we see a bunch of cameras filming someone rolling around on the beach. A couple of cops are trying to escort this drunk person off the beach, which, honestly, isn't something uncommon. We keep walking towards our destination, but the same group comes past us again, walking super fast. Then you hear her. She's yelling and cursing out the cops. It's, you guessed it, Snooky, along with some of the cast from the Jersey Shore. My friends and I are so shook that we are stuck standing in the same spot and end up watching the cops go down a ramp to one of the parking lots with Snooky. We ended up seeing her get handcuffed and put into a cop car. I know this technically wasn't true crime, but I hope it made you laugh a little. Can you imagine? Like, what you see on TV, and you're like, wait, no, this is them in real life. Yeah, like, that's really happening. Yeah, and then, like, you watch it, and you're like, oh, my God, I was there. It's a celebrity sighting, and then uh, it's really happening, and it's on cops. Right. (laughs) Like, holy shit. Bad boys, bad boys. Also, uh, I know Tiffany is fangirling over that. She loves the Jersey Shore. So, Donna, this story isn't from me. I actually heard one of my great aunts talk about it before. To start off, my great aunt lived overseas and in an affluent area. During that time, it was common to have servant quarters. Please note that I strongly dislike using the word servants, but I wasn't sure how else to explain the story otherwise. Picture it. My great aunt lives in what's called the main house, while the servants live in the side house. It's essentially two separate houses on the property. Holy bougie, I know. My great aunt was very friendly and close friends with some of the servants. The side house has a couple of bedrooms, and the bedrooms tend to have three sets of bunk beds each. Apparently, my great great aunt had the room set up for those who wanted to stay overnight or live in these quarters. My great aunt was very close to one of the servants who was the daughter of a set of servants that lived off the property. They still came to the main house every day. We'll call her Lucy. So Lucy came to the side house early one morning, and went to start her duties. My great aunt said that Lucy would usually help her mom wake up the others that either slept overnight or lived at the side house. Lucy went into one of the bedrooms and started waking up people on the bunk beds. One of the older servants, we'll call her Nancy, wouldn't wake up when Lucy tried to shake the top bunk that she was on. Everyone was still stirring, so Lucy gave them a couple of minutes before heading to the main house to start her day. Lucy met up with my great aunt later on that day, closer to lunchtime. They used to spend their lunch together to talk and gossip about boys, life, whatever came to mind. As they were eating, Lucy mentions to my great aunt that Nancy hadn't really woken up and it was very unlike her. She told my great aunt that she hoped Nancy wasn't feeling sick or anything. My great aunt was confused. She asked, when did you see Nancy? Lucy replied, this morning, you know, on one of the top bunks because I was trying to wake everyone up. My great aunt said, that's not possible. Why? Lucy asked. Because she passed away late last night, said my great aunt. Lucy lost it. Then how was she on the top bunk? My great aunt never told me what happened with Lucy and Nancy. Sadly, she passed away a couple years ago and none of my older relatives were around to know about the story. I hope y'all enjoyed these stories. I have plenty of paranormal since I'm an empath. 
sensitive, and some true crime. Creep it real. Stay safe, healthy, and well. JWoww. Holy crap. Could you imagine? Nope. You're just like doing your thing, going about your business, like, hey, everybody, wake up, wake up, wake up. You got the one carry of the group that doesn't want to wake up. <laughs> and you're like, okay, okay, I'll give her five more minutes. What the hell? Mm-mm. Like, to think about that and just, you second guess yourself, like, wait, did I see her or did I not see her this morning? No, I tried to wake her up. But, like, she died last night. What the fuck? Wow. Um, and, uh, yes, we definitely want more. We never say no to more. So keep sending them in, please. All right, last one. This is called Almost Fired. Hey, ladies. So I'm not sure what category this falls under because it could have been true crime, but it could also be a bit paranormal. I was a junior in high school, and my friend, let's call her C, drove us to a Halloween party. We had a super fun time, and another friend of ours, let's call her J, needed a ride home. So C, J, and I are all on our way to J's house. We dropped her off and waited for her to get to her front porch, and C started to pull away. I told her to wait till J actually got into the house. J's door closed, and then I told her to wait just another second or two. I'm not sure exactly what made me want to wait just a little bit longer. Until I saw two guys come running up to a fence of Jay's neighbors. They lit what we were pretty sure was a firework, but it fizzled and set the fence on fire. C and I freaked out and thankfully had a water bottle in the car. We quickly put the fire out and weren't sure what to do. We decided to tell the owner of the house and they were super thankful and called the police. The police showed up and asked us what we saw. I mean, we were pretty shitty witnesses because we didn't see anything and we sure as hell weren't chasing after them. To this day, I'm still not sure what in my gut was like, no, you shouldn't leave just yet, but I'm sure happy we did. Who knows what could have happened? I also have some more other premonition type stories that I'll gladly share if you're interested in. Anyway, please feel free to use my name and keep up your amazing podcast. You always make me laugh exactly when I need it. Love y'all, Zoe. Holy crap. Well, one, yes, I love premonition stuff like this. But also, yes, that is why it, you know, just something told you to stay there. Mm-hmm. When you know, you know. Yeah. And what little asshats do the thing? I mean, it's Halloween. We get it. You want to celebrate and stuff, but don't be an asshat and just going to, like, vandalize shit. Just to do it, yeah. Yeah. And then run off when something, you know, doesn't go right. Oh, wow. Also, I'm like that, too. Like, I like to wait until people get in. Absolutely. I do that, too. Well, like I've said like 30 times, please keep sending these in because all of them are so good. And y'all are like, I have so many more. Uh, Send them all in because these stories, again, like edge of your seat type stuff and premonition stuff, it gives me chills because sometimes it is such a close call. And it's like, but what happened? Like, why did you stay? What, you know, why didn't you wake up? Right when you were supposed to wake up and you always wake up on time or, Mm -hmm. you know, like all of that stuff. I love it. And it's interesting how the shadow figure ones always come in in batches like that. Yes. 
Terrifying, actually. Yes. Interesting, terrifying. All of the above. Well, like Donna said, keep sending them in, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.